Welcome to Salty Talks, a podcast about sustainable aquaculture in Maine. I'm Corinne Newfie, the host, the aquaculture communications specialist with the Aquaculture Research Institute. And today's episode is going to be a bit different from the other ones that I have recorded so far. Um, I'm pretty stoked on this one. I um, have had an intern working with me all summer, and uh, this episode is actually their final project. So um, I'm going to turn it over to them to introduce themselves to all of you who they referred to as <laughs> fans of the pod. <laughs> if you remember, I did an episode um, a couple months ago about workforce development, um, very broadly speaking, of why it's important. I interviewed Scarlett Tudor. And so today's episode is kind of taking a closer look into actual examples of workforce development. We went uh, all over talking to externs, compiled so many audio clips. Uh, earlier, Jules asked me how many audio clips I think there are, and I said probably like hundreds. So yeah, this was a ton of work to get all of these clips. Um, and Jules did a great job. And so when they were going through, they were sort of teasing apart themes of what they found. And so that's kind of how this podcast is going to go. Um, Jules, do you want to say more about the, the different themes that you were seeing? Hi, Corinne. Jules and Post would love to describe the themes that they were seeing because they did not do a good job first time around. So in our little excursions across the state, we got to know the ups, the downs, the challenges of what the process is like to be an extern. What you're about to hear is, yes, a little summary, a little a little taste of what projects were actually conducted, but what we're really going to dig in on is the the human element of being in the vulnerable and enriching environment that is a temporary summer job in this context. We saw folks from honestly all across the country, and despite these varied backgrounds. They were unified in their curiosity overall. So challenges. We asked our people to discuss what really pushed them in their position. And maybe they didn't realize it at the time of the recording, but every single one of them talked us through the ways that they overcame their their fears or their concerns or their preconceived notions. I found myself developing a soft spot for the lovely people that we got to know a little bit better. And aside from their passion, I think that one of my favorite parts about getting to know them was seeing their interactions with their mentors, their hosts, the matching process was profoundly accurate, pointed, and seeing these characters interact in person, we'll try to communicate that in the audio clips, but really there's a little bit of a magic to it. And I can say in my own experience that having a mentor when you are trying to figure out what your post-undergrad is going to look like, what your 20s are going to look like. It's really an invaluable experience. And so 
technical, practical, soft skills were all developed, but let's just say it really was about the people we met along the way, in my opinion. <laughs> to put a name behind the voice, hey, I'm Jules Connolly, they, them pronouns. I study French and history at the University of Maine. It's great to be your guest host for this episode of Salty Talks. Enjoy. Let's meet some of our people. I'm Tess Harrell. I'm working at Canopy Farms in Brunswick. <laughs> I'm researching um, White Lake shrimp, seeing if a small shrimp farming business is profitable. Tess is one of the 10 externs that make up the ARI Summer 2023 cohort. Let's meet the rest. I'm Elena Sturk and I'm currently working with the Basin Oyster Project and also Maine Oyster Company. Right now, I'm seeing the spawning and settling of the oysters in the basin. Jennifer Casino. I got um, a job here at Bings Island Mussels, um, and my project is on um, invasive species research, specifically on like tunicate species that are settling on our mussel lines and outcompeting our mussels, killing our mussels. Emily Tecklenburg. I work as an ARI extern for American Unagi in Waldeboro, Maine. I really work to maintain the health of the eels and I'm making sure that their systems are sufficient to keep them healthy, alive, and happy. So my project is looking at potential restocking efforts and opportunities for the American eel in Maine, the entirety of the state, and it's addressed to uh, the Maine Department of Inland Fisheries, the Maine Marine Resource Department, and uh, the Maine Environmental Protection, as well as uh, including the Wabanaki Alliance, because they play a large part in uh, harvesting elvers. In addition to our four stellar externs working on various farms across the state of Maine, we also have three that are working in various ARI labs with their own specialty. Hello, my name is Abria James. Abria is working in ARI's off-flavor lab, which entails that she is testing for, among other things, geosmin. I'm Sarah Jansen. So I'm working in the Fish Nutrition and Nutrigenomics Lab. A sh very, very short overview is it's the whole process of figuring out um, the basis of like what a feed formulation should be and then actually producing that feed and then growing fish, using that feed on the fish, taking samples, and then analyzing the samples in the lab and doing statistical analysis to figure out what it told us. But our job is basically to try to find um, better cost-effective alternatives um, that will keep up that, that nutritional value. So my name's Randy Phillips. At the current moment, I'm we're like I'm helping on a USDA study for an LD50 and a challenge later on. Randy was kind enough to explain that LD stands for lethal dose, and 
She is researching the LD50 of the infectious salmon anemia virus. And up next is our two nonprofits that have a conservation focus. Uh, my name's Quentin Convery. In the summer, I've been uh, interning with Mike Macy and Sam Sewell at Southern Maine Sustainable Shellfish. So the overall mission right now for the business has been dealing with uh, invasive European green crabs. And with my uh, project more specifically, it's been trying to increase efficiency in the uh, sorting and trapping process to make it more of a viable uh, industry and uh, fishery overall. My name is Alec Nosovitsky, the Down East Salmon Federation. Basically, I have a list of the most common fish that we have in the main. And I have to talk about the, the scientific name and I have to organize it between three categories, the invasive, non-invasive, and um, the ones that are supposed to be here. There's some fish that like have been here for like a very, very long time and not many people like understand that they are inv invasive, like bass, pike, they've been here for like a very long time. Our 10th extern represents one of our more unique hosts with their educational community outreach and research mission. My name is Olivia Trahan, partnered with the Hurricane Island Foundation Center for Science and Leadership. And this summer I've been doing my own research project, which is studying the species richness and diversity of ascidians, also known as sea squirts or tunicates. When I had originally accepted this position, there was another like REU, which is like research experience for undergraduates. There was another REU that I had been looking at at my home school that um, I had gotten, I didn't get accepted into at UNCW. And so I getting offered this job, I just felt like it was a sign for me to go out of state and make those um, connections out of state instead of in my home state. Because for me in the long term, I don't see myself staying in North Carolina for the work that I want to do. And I can definitely see myself traveling. So I was like, okay, well, this is a good little push for me to kind of get out of my comfort zone a little bit, go somewhere I've never been and make some really great connections. And I definitely have achieved that. Let's do a little unpacking here. Olivia is touching on one of the bigger questions that many of us ask when we encounter externs and their externships. What value does this position hold for the young people who are pursuing them? Unsurprisingly, everyone has their own unique circumstances, although there are a couple of golden threads that were weaved throughout a couple of the externs' experiences. Of course, we have to start with everybody's favorite, graduation requirements. School of Marine Science kind of encourages you to do at least an internship. More specifically, two magic little words kept on showing up. I have never had any lab experience, um, um, especially because of COVID. And I really wanted some hands-on experience before I had to go out into the world. Um, I'm very much a hands-on learner, and so I can hear about all these things, but it helps me so much more to, to be there and to do it. Um, I wanted to learn. I wanted to be able to broaden my opportunities. Um, and so I came across this, and I thought, why not? Lab experience. It's hard to avoid. 
almost as hard as it is to avoid the C word, COVID, when it comes to the authentic undergraduate experience as of late. I feel like coming into college during COVID made it really difficult to one, find like hands-on experience and know what I wanted to be doing. Um, and recently, I've spent so much time in a lab. Um, I, I felt like I needed to get experience where I'm doing something more hands-on to see if I'd be, rather be doing something like that um, or something hybrid, which is kind of what I'm doing now. I mean, really, this is like my first um, exposure to marine science. Bates doesn't really have like a marine science program. In general, just the exposure to marine science has been, I think will be transferable because I do think I want to stay in the marine science realm. There's a lot to learn from the stories of the folks that are being featured today. This is not limited to the realization that uncertainty is honestly not the same as a lack of intentionality. You don't necessarily need a 10-year plan to know that an externship will reveal more about who you are in the professional realm. That being said, we definitely saw some instances of people who really did know what they want. I always wanted to know like all like different types of jobs for marine science, even like aquaculture and things like that, fishery. I really want to know how every single industry works. I worked on a project that took um, seaweed from aquaculture and made it into feed supplements for cows to reduce their methane emissions and I thought it was really interesting to look more at the aquaculture side of that. I have been interested in aquaponics since high school um, and so that kind of led me into aquaculture. I knew that any internship with aquaculture would be wonderful and it would allow me to really figure out what I want to do in the future. Um, this is great. I love aquaponics. I think that it's, it's shown me a pathway that I could possibly do in the future. Personal development ambitions were often paired with the desire to contribute to something bigger than themselves. Here, I actually wanted to pull a clip from Emily Tecklenburg's experience with American Unagi. Glass eels became a fascination that extended beyond the state of Maine and its people. Although, if you did grow up here or lived here, you heard plenty about it. From the mystery of spawning to the not-so-mysterious profit margin, it was kind of hard to escape. Let's see what Emily has to say about what she hopes her work will ultimately contribute to. Even though like their origin's still unknown and we haven't fully completed um, the eel's life cycle to our knowledge uh, for the American eel, uh, but they'll come up. It's estimated that they're about one to two years old and the elvers will swim into these conical shaped nets and the elver fishermen will catch them and sell them uh, to American Unagi, but then also mostly to, they'll import them to Asian fishing markets where they'll actually grow the American eels and sell them for uh, international export and for like their own local seafood industries. So American Unagi is different in keeping what is from Maine in Maine and providing job opportunities and like a Maine product uh, within this great state.
If you're feeling lucky, now's a good time to make a guess as to how much you think Elver eels actually go for by the pound. What do you think? Well, let's find out. They sell them for like $2,200 to $2,600 per pound, but I am looking at uh, recommendations and, uh, well, political recommendations and including like a multi-criteria decision analysis of what the potential best routes would be in order to sustain the American eel population in Maine. And over the course of the past 30 years, it's been seeing uh, declines in habitat availability as well as the eel population itself and the eel density. Uh, so I feel like my project is really pertinent uh, to discover a little bit more about um, given that this is such an important industry for Maine. The capacity for Maine's blue economy and beauty is endless really. If you spend more than a little bit of time here you know that intimately. Not only is Emily's research innovative, it also leans into this valorization of what Maine is and also what Maine's future can be. Research is only as innovative as the researchers behind the project. This is why professional development is our focus in today's episode of Salty Talks. I mean, after all, we are seeing applications with everybody's favorite invasive species. Green crabs, have, they've been around for a while now, but they're particularly destructive to uh, native fisheries like soft shell clams or even lobsters. So um, what we're doing is really taking a pretty abundant resource, really start a new fishery that uh, could really be used to make some money, but also uh, help reduce the negative impacts. We haul like every other day, get X amount of crabs, and then we go back and we sort through all those crabs and look for certain uh, distinctions on the underside of the crab on the episternite. It's like a hazy layer that we call a halo. And it tells us that the crab's about to molt, which is what we're really looking for. All we need now is a green crab cookbook in the works. That being said, we can't always eat all of our problems away. Let's listen in on this appetizing description of Olivia's research on tunicates. Yeah, so kind of, I guess the best way to describe it would be this really funky looking gelatinous, like boogery blob. From what I've heard from other people that are in like the lobstering industries and stuff like that, they pull up their cages, which normally are like 10 or 15 pounds. And suddenly with all of these tunicates on it, they're like 300 something pounds, which oh is God. just absolutely insane because a lot of the species that we have here are so invasive it's important for us to understand how they're impacting our native biodiversity and other native species as well here's jen's take on tunicates farming it it's like pretty been pretty detrimental specifically to bangs in the past two years um like there's some lines you'll pull up and there's no muscles on it it's just tunicates and um and even for the workers it's just like it's so physically demanding to remove all of the tunicates. I mean, I mean, they like hold so much water that they're so heavy to pull out our lines, which are like 40 feet long. Abria. I think it's important for consumers to have this knowledge because I think you should have like simple understanding of like 
what's happening in your food systems, especially as you go and purchase them? Cultivating an informed public and consumer base was another cross-cutting theme within our extern interviews. I think just learning how fisheries run, not many people really know. They know there's like a fishery and stuff, but they don't really understand how like these fisheries can help populations and eventually like the environment itself. And I'm just lucky to really see like behind the scenes how that really, really works. So Getting people that aren't as involved in science, getting them involved is the most important part, I think, of what I do. Um, because, you know, aquaculture and yeah, aquaculture as a whole is something that sustains a lot of people as far as livelihood and things like that. And so I feel like it's really important that we are all kind of able to understand um, the intricate balance that our marine ecosystems play into our daily lives. Getting people more involved in science. That is a challenging but noble pursuit. It definitely gets me thinking. Dangerous, I know. <laughs> but what makes a good scientist? I've seen plenty of them in my time this summer. If I were to put a, a name or a set of traits to this demographic, I would say it would be someone who encounters challenges and leans into adaptability, not only in their research, but also the, the process. It's all a process, you know? Sometimes it's hard to be in a place that's completely foreign. Um, like I have not worked in aquaculture before. I've worked in like stream ecology and stream restoration, but aquaculture is a totally different mindset. And um, I've never lived in Maine before, so I didn't know that much about the state before I was here. And sometimes it's hard to like be researching the context for your job the project itself and then also like what you're going to do afterward so you're not stuck at home the entire time. Talking to people who like know a lot more sometimes when they bring up things that I don't know like I do have a hard time like asking what specifically they're talking about um, and some things like as time goes on like I begin to realize that I am picking some things up. At least, I think that's what was intimated to me by Elena during our time at Maine Oyster Company. And I get it, it's a delicate balance. You want to be competent, seem competent. It's a very vulnerable state of being. The team that you work with, the people who are beside you, they make the difference between whether that vulnerability is rewarding or scary. I think the former was true more often than not, though. Because in the hatchery, any single little thing that goes wrong, it can really affect the fish. The fish are the most important. In the beginning, there were times where I, I wasn't as diligent that I was supposed to, and Mitch really taught me how to like be more um, persistent and all, and all that stuff, and I feel like I've grown better. Figuring out what we can do better and how with the limited resources that we have. Um, but, you know, it's a fun, creative, problem-solving thing. And the fact that I've taken many aquaculture classes, um, it allows me to look at the system and be like, oh, we might need to fix that, or this might could work better this way. 
I just, I get so excited about that. And it's probably like the creativity and problem solving side of me. A big challenge that I experienced like immediately after getting here was just feeling so out of place. You know, like I mentioned earlier, I've never been to Maine before. I went and had lunch at um, the Rockland Cafe and it was really funny because when I had finished eating and I, you know, tipped the waitress as one does, um, and the waitress asked me if I needed anything else. And I said, no, ma'am, y'all have a great day. And I walked out <laughs> and so many people like turn around and look at me. And I was like, "Uh oh, I just kind of like outed myself there. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I should have played undercover better. And it was really difficult because a lot of the staff has been coming here seasonally for years. And so coming into an environment where everybody kind of already knew each other and I had come from so far away um, was a bit like isolating in the first few weeks, you know, but over my time here, I've come to create so many awesome, very close and tight knit friendships that I'm absolutely going to carry with me, you know, going back home. Both Michael and his, his PhD student made me feel very comfortable. And so I've really had the ability to, to take everything in and learn at my own pace while still moving through the lab. So it's been very cool. Let's talk mentors. I have such a great team here. Um, it's super small, but they're all super great. Um, my manager, Sammy, is wonderful. She just... She's teaching me so much about plants, and it's so fun. That same first week is when Bobby um, brought me into the lab and started teaching me how we do water samples, how we do tissue samples, how we do blood samples. Yes. I remember one of the things he told me is that he's going to teach me to be an, an analytical chemist because you can always get a job being an analytical chemist because um, the reality is you might not always come out and get a job in some marine science field straight out of college. And I think he's probably the first person in academia to tell me that so far. So even though I didn't know it was the truth, he's probably the first person to be honest with me. When, whenever I needed help or there was something that we didn't know about, it was always super easy to like reach out with like a quick text or like a phone or like a phone call and just try and resolve the issue that way. And then if it couldn't be that way, then like meeting up in person. Um. Mentor-mentee relationships. No two are the same. This is a cornerstone as to why the ARI externship program works and works so well. We've all had some sort of summer job. Most of us want to pursue professional development goals. It's cultivating that community and those relationships that really differentiates the experience and lessons learned. 
During our first round of interviews, Corinne and I met a duo that we immediately knew had a unique dynamic. It was fun, it was soul nourishing, and it was productive. But I think it's just best that we show you what we mean. So my mentor, Sarah Turner, lovely woman. <laughs> I love to make her laugh when we're doing random stuff or just hanging out. I make her laugh all the She's time. She's trying not to laugh right now. <laughs> I'm looking at her. She's doing a bad job. Sarah often can't contain how amazing I am. <laughs> <laughs> she, <laughs> she doesn't know what to do with herself. <laughs> She's such an amazing mentee. What is happening? <laughs> but in all seriousness, Sarah is wonderful to work under. Um, she will tell you differently, but she is amazing at explaining things. She says because she's done it a thousand times, but I do believe that Sarah is just naturally very great at things, even though she won't admit it sometimes. Um, every day she comes in ready to do stuff and put her all into her PhD project. And I'm just happy I get to learn from her. Um, she's a wonderful woman. I love her so much. <laughs> because I've known I want to get into research, that means getting a master's, potentially sure. a PhD. Um, and I think like working under Sarah doing her PhD and working with a different grad students doing their masters, it gives me a lot of experience and like direction because I came into this with no direction. I literally said in my interview, I don't know what I want to do. I have no idea. Um, Blank slate. Yeah. And they're like, we can work with that. And so I came here and it, honestly, it's, it's kind of directed me into what I think I want to do and giving me like a road to go down instead of like 80 different like covered trails. All of our externs have spent a lot of time in the hot seat. We've heard a little bit about their, what their mentors mean to them, but maybe keep an eye out for another episode where the roles get reversed and maybe they spill their guts a little. So what did our externs pick up from their mentors? Yep, it's time to talk about skill acquisition. I've learned quite a lot while being here. Um, a lot of scientific skills of scientific reading and writing um, currently and different forms of science communication, um, which seems scary sometimes. Oh, um, is is becoming a little bit more natural day by day, which is really awesome. But I've also just taken away a lot of life skills of um, like open communication and working with um, people who are more knowledgeable than me, being comfortable asking questions, which has always been hard for me. Time management and being able to uh, prioritize different things that I need to do. Um, so just like being able to talk to people, I think I've gotten a lot better at doing. Um, and also, I mean, I've I've learned, I've sort of learned how to boat, so, you know. You've learned how to boat? Yeah. Wait. I've never driven a boat before this. Do you do that for your work, though? Yeah, well, I, I'm not like required to do it, but sometimes I like 
when I go out with people, they let me drive the boat, and that's something I've learned, so. Isn't that fun, though? Yeah, no, it's really fun, and honestly, like, maybe, maybe in the future, I'll own my own boat. I think this has definitely kind of inspired me, I guess, to network more. Like, doing this, I'm like, oh, like, networking is, like, super important, and it's actually, like, fun to do. When I went to the ARI, like, science comms workshop, I went down to the hatchery, and I was talking to Adam, and after that, like, even, like, Megan was also like, oh, like, you should, like, contact them to, like, see more, like, learn more about, like, the oyster hatchery. So I did, and so a couple, or actually last week, I went to go talk to Chris Davis about, like, oyster spawning, and that was super helpful. And that was, I think, the first time that I was really, like, I, I guess, like, networking on my own. Writing an abstract was a very daunting task, um, but Phoebe, my, you know, the head scientist here on Hurricane, she has been a great guiding light in um, that process and kind of reassuring because there were definitely many times throughout my project where I was like, oh, I forgot to consider this factor before I started collecting data. Like, what am I gonna do? Is it still gonna be usable? And so Phoebe was definitely a guiding a guiding person and helping me figure out the answers to all of those questions. Um, I feel like independent project development has been a big one. Um, because I mean, I was kind of given a topic of what I wanted, they wanted me to look at, but when it comes to like experimental design and end goal um, and pro products I wanted to make, that was kind of all on my own. Depending on the day, we might go out and like do maintenance of the raft. So like changing nets, like power washing nets, which it's it should be on dirty jobs. I mean, it's gross. <laughs> Just like on the basics. I mean, we have to have pretty good like time management, like watching all the tides because we have to haul at high tide. So we got to make sure we get our sorting done either before or after. Uh, that leaves us like a timely manner. Um, what else? Uh, just like other stuff, just like learning how to like operate small skiffs and other stuff. Constructing traps, we did some work with that. So no he'll work with like lobster mesh and hog rings and all those things. Um, and then a lot of like data analytics. We take a lot of um, we take a lot of data down when we're doing the sorting. I think I'm a pretty. I like to think I'm a pretty quick learner. Very very uh, coachable for a uh, potential person who's hiring. I bring an extra pair of hands for work, anything that they need around, like anything that Mitch needs, I'll, I'll be there. The, the 50 pound salt packets, I'll be there carrying everything. Like if he, if he needs help, like going to a different fishery, for example, and needs an extra hand, I'll be there. I kept on thinking to myself, wow, Talk about a group of people with an absolutely bulletproof LinkedIn profile. Okay, okay, okay. But you're catching the vibe of what these folks are all about. So you don't need any convincing. I bet you can assume that they have some pretty stellar job ambitions. In the interest of keeping things interesting, 
when it comes to their favorite parts of their current position and their hopes, their dreams, their biggest desires for their future, I picked out the fun ones. Hey Tess. So I get the pleasure of running the whole Farmer's Market booth. Um, We go down to Freeport every Friday from 9 to 1. We have a little poster saying, we sell trout, and people come because that's a catcher, like fresh trout, whoa. Mm -hmm. And so then I get to explain, hey, we actually have trout in our basement. It's great. And they're so interested, and it's so wonderful educating people about aquaponics and what it is. Education is such an important factor in Canopy Farms. We have public tours every month. Um, Sometimes we have school groups come in, and it's so fun seeing the kids. Um, The most enriching is probably taking care of the fish, to be honest. I know it sounds like, you know, blah 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 but i like fish i have a bunch of fish tanks at home and like any opportunity for me to take care of fish i i love it so it's been really hilarious because my co-workers have also started catching on to my accent and i catch them using it and i'm like hold on did you just say y'all so like stuff like that is just so funny here's a small sampling of some of the more sincere responses we got to the future outlook for our 2023 externs. Don't worry though, I definitely threw in a fun one. Let's see if you can guess which one it was. Ideally next year I'll be back with Mike and maybe he can touch on this a little more, but he's in the process of getting an experimental lease on the York River for oysters. So hopefully I want to be working on that, but uh, and simultaneously continuing the work that we've done with the crabs. Post-grad, it's not going to be about the money. It's about the longevity of the work that I'm doing um, and the importance of, you know, trying to help the environment in some way. Well, I I was always like, I've always wanted to own a castle. I don't know how realistic that is. But I feel like that's like my end goal is to like own a castle. Like... <laughs> And I, if that's not gonna happen, then like at least like a small like cottage or something, you know. Maybe I'll just like own an oyster farm on the side or something, you know. Like I don't know, get a castle on the coast, and right there is my oyster farm. It's been nice to be able to experience a Maine that I've never really seen before. Maybe in the future, like I might live here. I think I speak for all of us when I say that if Maine has the fortune of keeping an extern like Elena around, the state would be all the better for it. There has to be at least one castle on the mid-coast, right? Also, I just want to give a shout out to Jules and all the work they did on this podcast because it's actually crazy. I've never recorded a podcast like this before with um, 10 different people and sorting through audio clips and taking little pieces like it's actually wild. how many clips there are and like how much organization this took so uh (laughs) yeah it was 
it was a lot. Um, so just a big shout out to that. And then I also want to say that uh, at the end, if you want to learn more about the externs and their projects, um, Jules also made a fun little zine for ARI, which I'm going to put a link to in the show notes. And it just kind of features each extern, um, where they're from, their project, and uh, some fun little quote that, that Jules pulled for them. And uh, that is all I will say. I yeah. feel like a star. Jules, you're a star. Oh Making a meta this into the into the podcast. Devastating. That's not in there. <laughs> <laughs>